Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason Smith. I'm originally from California, but I'm living here in beautiful Wuhan, China. And today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. This is Alex Sure, I am from the Northeast part of China, and I'm speaking to you today from Beijing. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. You know, I thought it would be really interesting to talk about the differences and similarities between kind of hobbies in China versus the U.S. and elsewhere. So I downloaded this article from Skillscouter.com. Uh, it's called Popular Leisure Activities Around the World. It was written in January of this year, 2022. I thought we could. So it's pretty recent, huh? Very, very recent, you know. So it's already okay. 2022 and all kinds of stuff are already coming out. And, you know, I think a lot of this stuff is just going to show us like how similar everything is. But I'm hoping to be surprised here and there, too. But yeah, let's 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 try to enlighten everybody on the exact thing you just <laughs> said. That we're all very similar, a lot more than we thought we were maybe we're not so. maybe we're not this is going to be the big discovery Ooh. okay reading so obviously people read right so like i'm old so i think my reading activities for an american might be like more towards like a middle-aged person because i like read a lot of the news <laughs> you know i was about to ask what's the definition of a middle-aged person's reading preference well, i think i think a lot of people get their news from like you know their social media and like you know Twitter and Facebook, I get, and I guess that's even old too. Yeah. But like, I actually read the news news. So like, I think maybe that's old hat now. <laughs> did you, did you still, did you still buy newspapers or are you, are you still buying newspapers? Or are you reading on, on, you can't get them. That's true. That's true. I mean, if I was in the States, I might be able to like go to the local cafe where someone has like a really expensive subscription to some newspaper, but I'm, I'm living in, in Wuhan. So like, I like try to read a variety of the news. I don't want to bore people. So yeah. <laughs> um, I, I do read a lot of different news from all over the spectrum from different countries and stuff. I used to I remember the days when we used to write our resumes and we we're trying to send it to different news organizations because I was a, a journalism major for, you know, for for grad school. Mm. I remember our you know resume uh, instructor or whatever you call that person was like, you have to put the metrics there. You have to let people know what the newspaper is that you're working for or what, you know, you have to show them in number. So we would always mm. write down like, oh, I wrote for the Patriot Ledger with a local, you know, circulation of, I don't know, really? 50,000 per day. Yeah. And this was 20, 20, 2013 or 2014. And that's when we still used to put down, like when I, when I was writing down, you know, working for Boston magazine, I'm like, this is a, it's a, it's a magazine that has existed for, I don't know how many decades. And then, you know, this is their daily circulation, not daily circulation. This is their monthly circulation, but I guess those numbers don't make sense anymore nowadays. I think a lot of our fans might be interested in this. You, like I am, I think, you know, so if you were to start out as like writing for newspapers, what do you do? Mm. You start off like at the local gazette, like in some small town. Is that how you, is that how people do it? 
I, I know this show is not like super, uh, not popular. A lot of people don't like it, but have you watched Gilmore Girls? Gilmore Girls. <laughs> um, um, I've heard of Gilmore Girls. <laughs> I know what people say about that show, but it's pretty much like, uh, you know, to answer your question, it's pretty much like, it's like a soap opera, right? No, it's not soapy. <laughs> no, it's like, it's like a, it's a, it's an evening soap opera um come on come on <laughs> no but <laughs> he said she said stuff exactly but yeah. it's it's to start in journalism is pretty much like what the uh you know the the main character in gilmore girls rory gilmore went through you sort of start as at most people start working for their uh you know university mm, or high school mm, even mm, newspaper and you get a little bit of you know kind of that internship kind of feeling like you know a, a, a quote-unquote real journalist mm. on campus and then you venture out after you graduate you start with a smaller publication smaller station and then you build up your resume so that you could be headhunted to bigger stations or bigger public bigger public interesting um back to reading a little bit um in Beijing, I know there are a lot of bookstores. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people, a lot of Western folks know where the, all of them are, but uh, there's like one in Wangfujing. There's one in, Sh there's a big one in Shidan that's actually bigger than one in Wangfujing. There's like a couple mm. in San Litun. And there's a, yeah. there's the National Library, which is near the universities. And then there's another huge like library near Panja you are. And so there's like books everywhere. Like, and you can get pretty much, oh, there's a, there's a bookstore I can't remember the name of in Qingnian. Lu area and actually mm. you can mm. get anything there like people say oh you can't get this book in china you can get anything <laughs> yes, you can. at that bookstore anything and there are so, so yeah. many different kinds as well there's the you know the one that you mentioned the one in wangfujing and then the one in sidan that are mm. they those are more the, kind of you know comprehensive book collections and yeah, they're like five stories tall or something. i know it used to be you know it used to be our weekend activities when we we're in high school when we we're kids living in mm. beijing your parents mm. be like oh what fun things do you like to do on the weekend we're like we'd like to go to that bookstore in Sitan and we go and it's our it's our weekend Nerd. workout there. <laughs> but to be fair that's why I said it's a very comprehensive collection there because it's not just you know literatures or or different uh, theories mm. or, or tool books it's also you know textbooks or books that help with the exams that students really need um, and then even with dictionaries I used to be super obsessed with dictionaries wow. I had yeah, I had a Merriam-Webster. I had Collins uh, uh, yeah, the yeah, dictionary. Yeah. I had a, the, the, the Oxford and all different kinds of uh, dictionaries. I don't know why I thought that would help my English, but I, I don't know. Maybe that's one of the contributing factors. You know, my mom always, when I was young, kept this huge, you know, like mammoth dictionary next to the chair she sat in in the living room. And every time someone would say a word wrongly, <laughs> she'd be like, <laughs> dictionary time. And she'd pull out this like... You know, I don't even know how to describe it. Dresser of a dictionary. And it had every word you could. And she flipped that <laughs> yeah, page. She, or she, you know, she just like, oh, what did they say? And she'd open this thing up. And so we were constantly exposed to it. You know, I, <laughs> that's your, that's it. That's your your mom's in, uh, voice impression that you did. <laughs> Absolutely. That's exactly what she sounds like. Mom, if you listen to this episode, you sound like, oh, my gosh, I'm just going to open this dictionary and see what they said on the TV. <laughs> I'm sure she sounds lovely. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay so i i guess reading is you know we've just established reading everybody does reading they you know yeah i i think um well not everybody but i mean like people around the world like reading yeah and i i i've heard this kind of uh you know 
comparing and contrasting between people's reading habits in China and in the U.S. And it is, you know, it is true that when I was living in the U.S., I did see so many people you know, carrying a book with them wherever they go on the subway and stuff. And then so people like, mm. you know, automatically come to China and they're like, oh, Chinese people don't read. I used to think that until I started taking the subway for work and, mm. you know, more often. And I was like, oh, people are just directly reading on their phones. Like mm. they really everyone, if you look, some people are playing games that same everywhere because, you know, it's games. It's fascinating. Well, my but wife has one of those e-reader things and it like, you know, the, the Kindle. She doesn't have. Well, she doesn't have Kindle. She has some other brand like paper like. But anyways, she has yeah, she has a reading like yeah. tool for reading. She actually only uses it on special occasions. Like we're on vacation. So she busts out her Kindle. But she reads a lot on her phone and stuff. Yeah. Like my colleague said she recently just finished, um, you know, because our job is in like writing microcopies and we're all pretty new and stuff. And she's like, oh, I just finished this book about, you know, the thing about microcopies i'm like that's a thick book when did you finish it and you only started like a month ago when did you have t- when did you have time she's like i have about an hour and a half commute every day and that's my reading wow. time and she has a, a paper like you know the those kindle like uh, uh you know tablets that she carries around and she reads on them this so. is why we everyone should have a, a giant really good subway infrastructure so you know when you're commuting in a car you can't just bust out your kindle or your phone and start reading i agree <laughs> i could never read in a taxi Mm. I, 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 I cap to work most of the time. I am very spoiled, but I can't read in a taxi, mostly because I go on, I go into the car and uh, I pass out within like five minutes. Wow, really? Yeah. So that's there Sounds goes my dangerous. reading. <laughs> <laughs> like, what if you gave the instructions about where you're going wrongly in the phone before you got in and then you wake up and you're like, where am I? We're almost, you know, like to TND now. <laughs> I know, that's not the, that's not the worst. The worst is when you wake up suddenly and you you think you know where you are, but you don't. And then you kind of mix reality and your memory and you think the, the driver is doing something crazy and the driver is just driving and you're like, where am I? And then the driver gets startled. <laughs> that's never happened to me, but I think that's a great short story for you to write. Okay. We got to, we got to move on I've done it because we're never going to get through this list. <laughs> I guess we just, we'll just have to accept we're never going to make it through. But number two, martial arts. And this is written in, I think, the U.S. This is uh, by Lewis Keegan. So I think this is, uh, you know, apparently martial arts are really popular. You know, you've heard of the resurgence of the Karate Kid series. Oh, my God. Cobra Kai. I watched two episodes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. It's so Wait, bad. It's good. Did you watch? How many did you watch? I think I watched two episodes. I watched two seasons. And then I was like, OK, I have to oh stop. Oh, my God, Jason. Be stuck forever. Oh, yeah. Well, I grew up on the karate kid so i was like oh yeah this, know. this is like very you know it had it woke up something inside but apparently you know people are into martial arts in the u.s now and you know i don't think that's actually that true out here there you ha- have a lot of older people who are like into like tai chi yeah but most people i know they're not into martial arts <laughs> out here <laughs> most people i know don't do martial arts either <laughs> it's something that live in mostly you know TV series and movies Mm, for Chinese mm, people. mm. Although I do want to put this out there. And I think Mm. young kids should practice martial arts. It's such a good sport and it it really puts you through different kinds of tests, you know, physical, mental, you know, 
um, tests and practices. It's mm. pretty good for a kid if you you know want your kid to grow up stronger, both physically and mentally. Well, I like the idea of if I had a daughter that she would learn a couple different kinds of martial arts well, not just badly, but yeah. like you know, I, I would just make sure that you know when she gets into like you know junior high school and high school, if someone messes with her in a, in a <laughs> negative way, a serious you know, way, not not they said your makeup looks bad. You know what I'm saying? Like some guy tries to touch her. Okay, well you're going down now. Yeah, well it's. <laughs> for me it's more like you know whenever someone's like oh what's your what's your hobby like what's your strength what's something that you do that other people don't and every every other kid in the class would be like oh i play the piano or i sing and then my kid would just be like oh watch <laughs> you know I, I feel really proud i feel immensely proud number three jewelry making that is something that's more unique to the western society i think you know but i i know a west i'm not gonna say his name i know western guy living in beijing and he you know how people uh it seems to me largely uh women Mm -hmm. uh sell stuff on their like social media in china like you know like as like a taobao store or like a jd store on their wechat and stuff well i know this guy from america he's from the south and he actually makes his own jewelry here in beijing and then he sells it on his wechat and stuff what's his name Because <laughs> I I think I know I don't want to embarrass too, anybody and be promoting his business. But I I have a friend who had um she had her own little uh, uh lab as well where she teaches she used to teach people how to make you know mm, uh, mm. soaps candles and of course jewelry mm, classes mm. and I think she's I mentioned I mentioned her and her husband before like they did they made their handmade their each other the 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 wedding rings for each mm. other and she wow. used to you know. Yeah, so she used to teach people how to do that. And it's very, I think it's a very good way to, you know, spend a Saturday afternoon and, and you come out with a, a jewelry that you made mm. yourself. If you're good at it, I can see that that would be really cool. But if you're like, just like wonky at it, like <laughs> that would be really, well, that's a really interesting ring. You know, no one, no, no one would say, oh, that's a beautiful ring. They would say, that's very interesting. Who, where'd you get that? Oh, I made it. <laughs> oh, that explains all of it. Oh, wow. Oh, it's very lovely then. <laughs> but we used to have this uh, as a kid. I feel like most of the hobbies I did as a kid, I, I don't even know if I have hobbies now, but when I was a kid, we, we're not making jewelries, but we used to go to um, this type of workshop place. You know, those little sh- these little shops that existed in mostly every mm-hmm. single shopping mall. And it's a clay center and you could do you could do clay arts and the you know, there's the soft clay, there's mm-hmm. the other type mm-hmm. of clay. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the soft clay is more like, you know, you just kind of shape it and, and knead it with your hands mm. and you chop it to whatever shape you'd like and then they help you put it together and make it into a little bracelet or a little necklace it, it was it was cool for a kid well you know in terms of like pottery there's all kinds of places like in beijing there's a place in uh bell tower uh-huh. and you walk uh along that street that's right there that's running uh east and west you walk east just a couple blocks mm-hmm. there's a place right there you can make your own like you know tea set or coffee cups or whatever you know i i saw that in san francisco too there's a place in the castro Mm. and it's just off to the west of castro just slightly like a block or so and they have the exact same thing so you know it looks like in terms of that it's not jewelry making but you know in terms of pottery that's definitely something that you see in china and that's definitely something that you see in the u.s that people are interested in that yeah and i think people are kind of going back to the habit of making things with your own hands Mm. when everything's so easy to get you kind of wish that you have some item that that is 
special to you. So I read the people's daily and, you know, they have these uh, videos and articles oftentimes about these great masters that live in Beijing, Shanghai and Guangzhou. And like they've mm-hmm. been in, in their family has been doing like making wicker baskets, for example, but they've been making wicker, wicker baskets for like 500 years continuously. And they show like this old person, man or woman, different times. And like they're just like making intricate little details and using tools you would never think to use of. And like when it comes out, it's like that's something I would actually buy. This is not like my cousin's jewelry obsession. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Number four, and this one touches my heart is woodworking. My dad was a master carpenter. Mm. So, uh, you know, my, all my brothers are into it. And if I was in the U S I would definitely get, have like a skill Mm. saw and like, you know, a table saw. And I'd be like, making furniture. I've made bookshelves and stuff. It's a lot of fun. The thing is in America, I was talking to my brother, Michael, he was telling me that, uh, the cost of a sheet of plywood last year was like $15 and the same quality piece of plywood this year is like $110. What? So the inflation thing hit some products harder than other products. And one of the things that it really became expensive is quality wood. So actually people who are woodworkers in America, at least are having uh, to slow down or pay more because uh, oh, the cost wow. is just skyrocketed. I don't know about in China. I know there are a lot of people are into it though, you know, but like they usually have their own shops and stuff. Whereas in America, you have a yard, you could just go back, back in the backyard and do yeah, it. Yeah. I've always wanted to try it. Like in, in China, <laughs> Well, it's not a good idea. I'll probably hurt myself or hurt some someone else that's standing next to me. Learn first because saws are dangerous. Saws are dangerous. Learn how from someone. Don't watch YouTube. Of Don't watch YouTube. When you're learning how to use a saw, you need a real person to teach I you. YouTube could teach you everything and anything. No, 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 no. no. There are tricks. There's, saws can do weird things like jump out of the wood and backwards at you. I know and stuff. it's always. Like they can do crazy things. Yeah. Oh my God. Every time I watch someone using the chainsaw i'm just always like it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna pop it's gonna break something's gonna just you know explode and hit someone else that's watching if you're you're using the chainsaw you have to have goggles i know but still what about my i don't know what if what if the little chip flies from under the 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 goggles and hit me yeah that happens (laughs) thank you i'm never gonna and you'll have a little i'm never gonna try woodworking you have a little cut on your face (laughs) i'm never gonna try woodworking yeah that happens absolutely you know i actually i i don't want to scare people but i i was on site in a construction site one time when a gentleman cut his thumb off. So. Oh, no. And he was a professional. He had been doing the trade for 30 years and he did that. No. Yeah. It's oh the, you know, God. saws are so dangerous. You have to know what you're doing. So never learn how to do woodworking from YouTube <laughs> unless you're already a professional. First, learn from a professional. I know, but all the videos make it look so <laughs> easy and it's so soothing. Like mm. you just cut your mm. own wood piece and you put together your own furniture. It is. It is a lot of fun. It's like Legos, but you get to design like from the beginning, like kind of like actually if you don't know what you're doing, a bookshelf would just collapse, by the way. <laughs> So you really do need to like pay attention, like where the boards overlap each other. It matters a lot more than people think. Anyways, number five, gardening. And this is huge. My mom gardens, my little brother gardens. This is a huge thing in America. Increasingly in cities, people are creating their, growing their own food or like some of it, probably only like two or three or four or 5% of their food. But in some people's cases, it's more, but you know. People, this is a huge hobby hobby in the United States. People love growing food. What about in uh, it's in uh, 
it's been kind of China was very, you know, uh, a, a very agricultural country. A lot of the populations mm, mm, before mm, the mm. 90s were largely living in rural areas and people are just doing that as part of their job, as part of their livelihood. Mm, and mm, for, mm. for my family relatives who still live in the countryside, they have a little backyard where they grow you know, some vegetables, some fruits, uh, but that's just for, you know, like, oh, it's cool to keep this in the backyard. But the, you know, it's, it's different from how people try to maintain their, their, you know, their, their front lawn, their garden in the States. It's not mm -hmm. really for making it look better. It's just what people do. But recent in recent years, if you've seen like a lot of these city compounds, living compounds, mm -hmm. city south mm -hmm. shoes, they start to give people living on the first really? floor. Yeah. Oh. like. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right? You start to see people doing this kind of, you know, growing your own food in their own front yard. It's just not that everybody could get a pe little piece of land to grow well, a little people cabbage. have, like, house plants, right? Yeah, like, you could grow uh, some green onions, and it's not going to be food, but it's still something that comes out of the soil that you keep in your house. Mm, it's not, mm, you know, store bots. And you uh, you could... We have colleagues in our office who grow uh, his vegetables there. In well. the office? <laughs> yes. This is like growing <laughs> tomatoes on their desk. <laughs> it's like like little 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 lettuce or something, and he has he has mm. like five pots there. Wow, it's pretty it's pretty cute. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess that keeps you sane if you're just like stuck in a cubicle type situation. <laughs> you know, like if someday I have to work overtime, I could just pick it like fresh from the pot and eat it in the office. The next one seems really obvious to me. It's video games. You know, I know a couple people in the United States. That's universal. And they're like <laughs> stuck to the video game console. Like if they're not at work or they're not asleep, it's like video game time. And like, I know that their spouses feel very strongly about this. And you know, yeah, <laughs> hey, you know, I wish you would do anything except play video games. And I, I, I think that's a trend here in China, too. There. And that's why the government is like for children. You can't play more than a certain amount of video games or something. Yeah, I think there's a there's a time limit. And I remember actually reporting on that uh, back back then when the when the policy first came out. Mm -hmm. uh, kids can't play for longer than I think two hours uh, on a weekend and then an hour on a weekday, I think that's the the policy. Um, and I think it's good because it really hurts their eyes. Mm. It really does. Mm. I was I was never really addicted to video games at any point. So like I feel like I could get like the we're buying a video game system very soon. And I feel like when we get it, we'll probably play it and it'll end up in a drawer like after a couple of weeks because my wife and I are just too busy with like other hobbies already, like, you know, yeah. blogging and going photography and like bicycling and going out and exploring. And like, I don't I don't think I could handle more than a couple of weeks, like watching my TV, like Avatar or something, you know? Yeah. My thing is I've watched my boyfriend. I've watched my with other friends go through their video games. And I was like, I guess one thing that you get out of this is to grow your tenacity when you're playing these games because they just they just keep failing and they would <laughs> they would fail 50 times and they still go back to the exact same point and try to conquer it. I'm like, I do not have that patience. It's a game. Just give up. I'm like, I would much, <laughs> I'd much rather put it down and go do something else. It's really frustrating hmm. when you can't get it. Uh, okay. Number seven, fishing. And you know, uh, back in the States, I know a lot of people go out like with their their father or whatever, their brother, their friend, they, they go fishing. Oh, I see that here in Wuhan on the river 
whatever. It's much more isolated. It's usually mm-hmm. like an old man. And then like at a distance from him, there's another old man. And I also see that, saw that in Beijing, <laughs> like on the, in the canal system. And what yeah. I, I've never actually like hung out there and watched what they catch, but I've, I have managed to catch glimpses of these tiny fish that are like, you know, I don't know, six or seven inches long that they're mm-hmm. fishing out of there. And I'm like, uh, I would go fishing. Like I haven't been fishing since I was a kid, but if I was going to go fishing, I want to go somewhere where, you know, you're going to catch Big like one. a beast yeah. of a thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I guess it's about like, Calming. That's what people say, and that's what every movie says about it. You know that. Um, I'm gonna quote another TV show that's just going to get get people to roll their eyes. I watched, I watched Grace Anatomy <laughs> so so religiously. Um, <laughs> when mm, when mm. Derek Shepard took Christina Yang, and I know these two names don't make sense to to you or to to our listeners, but it's okay. When <laughs> Derek them, Shepard yeah. took Christina Yang to the to the river um uh, to the lake and and caught her big fish because she was refusing to mourn and to grieve um the death. Yeah, what? so <laughs> it, it's it's apparently very therapeutic like when she caught the fish and they let her pick the giant uh, fish uh. and she was holding the fish and she just broke down and cried, you know. I I I I I'd like to believe that that's what fishing does to people. <laughs> So, you know, someday if someone that's as handsome as Derek Shepard wants to take me on a boat to a lake to fish to just, you know, give me some therapy session, I'll happily say yes. I think we could reverse engineer that one of your hobbies is binge watching TV shows. (laughs) (laughs) Don't call me out like that. I am very, um, (laughs) don't put me in the spotlight for this. Number eight, and this is, I like walking, you know, uh, you know, when I was living in Beijing, I did this a lot more because there are public parks everywhere where I live in Wuhan. I live in like, there's no major public park in my vicinity unless I go for Mm. quite a distance to get to it. So I don't really go walking as much now, but when I was in Beijing every couple, you know, any direction you walk two or three blocks, there's a park and you could just go to it and start walking. Yeah. There, there are a lot more parks in Beijing than we realize. I was recently, you know, uh, apartment hunting because we we're trying to move soon and i was looking at the map and i'm like oh it'd be great to live by central park because you know uh i could just mm. leave my door go into the park and it's it's nice and and, and fun out there mm. and then as you're kind of just moving the you know you move the map with your finger a little bit within like two seconds you're like oh this is a different area oh wait there's a park here too <laughs> you kind of just go mm. around all directions and there are parks pretty much there's a central park oh sorry i mean chaoyang park <laughs> <laughs> you know chaoyang park is like a very big park it is the central park of beijing for people who live on the west side west side of beijing <laughs> it's good it's actually you know like it's a much bigger and better park oh. obviously <laughs> okay, okay i mean i used to go there when i was in college it I'm is very nice yeah, we'll keep this rivalry going and when you come when mm-hmm, you come mm-hmm. back to beijing you yuan chaoyang park <laughs> when you move back to Beijing, well, we need to we need to go there and we need to, you know, just bring a conclusion to this. Well, I think if I brought you in the spring when like the Cherry Blossom Festival is happening and we compared that with Chaoyang Park, you would I would win. It depends on what season we're talking about, you know, because in the winter, there's like more to do in Chaoyang Park. But in the summer in like the spring and the summer, Yuantan Park is like resplendent. Like it looks like something out of like a <laughs> painting or something. It's insane. OK, OK. When the 
spring when spring comes this year, I'll go I'll go check it out and see if you're saying how much of what you're saying is really true. This is this is an opportunity for you to wear one of those like old Chinese dresses, you know, from the imperial age because all the girls do that and they stand <laughs> under the blossoms as they're falling and stuff and they take Slow like motion. millions of pictures of themselves. Slow yeah. motion of the petals f- uh, falling from the sky. Number nine, team mm, sports. That's a that covers a lot of activities. Well, you know, I think in the United States, I don't remember a lot of my friends being really in into it. But maybe that's changed. I haven't been living there in a while. But I know a lot of my friends in Beijing specifically, like, got involved in like playing like circuit games against other teams and like soccer and like other like sports where it's like very, very serious and they have like team names and they really take their rivalry seriously and they reform their teams with a lot of the same people and I know it's very very popular in China. Um their basketball super popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Football actually I was I was going to make a distinction between um football, American football and soccer, but actually soccer has been sorry, American football has actually been gaining popularities in China in in recent years. I heard that. I actually went to shoot a, a piece for the Beijing Barbarians, that's what they're called. It's a <laughs> it's an American football club and they have a pretty big mm, team. Mm, mm. Um I, I, we, we went to shoot one of their training sessions and their coach is this Chinese guy, but who's really built, you know, and then like he had a little, mm. there's a little ponytail and, you know, facial hair so very masculine and it was really fun to watch. And most of the time the ball doesn't fly off the court and hit you in the face. Unlike, <laughs> unlike basketball. Um, uh, so that's one American sport that has become a more popular recently. Baseball, actually, too. There hasn't been, you know, leaks as far as I know, because I hang out with a lot of people that are super into these kind of sports. There's a lacrosse team. There's a American mm, football mm, team. Mm, mm, mm. Um, there are different kinds of basketball teams. Uh, there's, uh, uh, what's the other one? The rugby teams. Mm. Um, hockey teams, too, because I, 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 my friends talk about playing games during the weekend. Mm. Not, I haven't heard about mm. baseball. Team. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen anyone playing baseball in China, actually, now that you mention it. Right? That's why I said it's a great opportunity, and I'm glad. I, I just felt, I felt like I deserve a communication like you know directing job with <laughs> with, with MLB because uh, two years ago three years ago around this time 2019 I'm like look there's a, such a huge market in China mm. and baseball hasn't really tapped into it mm. but when we're saying this they're they're actually in you know the suburbs in Beijing and the outskirts of Beijing there are baseball clubs that you could go and learn how mm, to mm, play mm. baseball it's just kind of more like a you know just experience it first and, and see if you mm. like it and I, I kept i kept saying back then i'm like major league baseball needed they they're gonna come to china they're gonna you know explore the possibility of this sports with the chinese market and then within a month they they put a general manager here i'm like see told you alex if you can get you know baseball to be popular in china that would mean that my baseball card collection from when i was a kid (laughs) in america would like be exponentially more valuable so please do (laughs) deal deal done i am on it (laughs) number 10 yoga you know this was popular when i was back in the states this one when i was a kid my whole life this was always it's la set in francisco new york boston any basic like major city it's super popular in the states i 
I don't know about in China. Is yoga is something that's popular out here? Mega popular, Jason. Everybody. Where, where do you? Yeah. Different gyms. Mostly all the gyms offer yoga classes, and mm-hmm. they're you know uh, you know the fitness app that everybody uses. It's called Keep. There are a lot of different kinds of yoga classes, different levels of yoga classes you could uh, follow, and they're doing a lot of like even if if you. Uh, if you live in Beijing, you would definitely have seen some sort of outdoor yoga during the summer and different parks and different even like hotel rooftops and like all of these <laughs> interesting locations where you could hold a fitness class and you would see a yoga class there. And people practice yoga by themselves mm. at home mm. as well. Like I go on Douyin and it's like people doing that move where you kind of push your body up reversed um, with your feet on the wall and your head on the floor and it looks and they said that it's really good for your body again i don't think it's going to be good for my body it's going to bring <laughs> injuries well, you got to try you know really gently Jason, slowly, no, i'm not going to try <laughs> if i'm not try wood i'm not going to try woodworking at home i'm not going to try <laughs> yoga yoga's not going to you're not going to lose a finger doing yoga probably <laughs> it might break my neck that's just Oh yeah, yeah that's possible. Maybe, but it is very, it's super popular. I remember when I was in high school and that's like from 20, oh, 2005 till 2008, even back then before, you know, YouTube or Yuku took over, whatever, there are all of these yoga books that are mm, super, mm, mm. that are selling really, really well. And people are just, you know, bringing the books home with them and try to practice with the book. Mm. Old fashioned, you know, old fashioned. Number 11, and I think this goes everywhere, traveling, you know, like everyone everywhere seems to, you know, whether you're traveling, if you're in the United States, you're traveling cross country or Mm. like to Canada or Mexico or like you're going on a cruise in China. People love to travel across China and they love Thailand and Japan and Jeju Island and stuff. Yeah. Like traveling is big. I think everywhere. Like where are some of the places that you have traveled, not for work, but for (laughs) leisure? For for leisure, Alex. I in two thousand and ten, I went to the UK for uh, summer school, and in two thousand eleven, I went to Canada and the US. Um, within China, though, like those were great trips. I was able to get on a plane to go somewhere mm. far, and you know, weird enough, I kind of like the fact that I'm stuck in a place for thirteen hours where I'm forced to to read or finish <laughs> a movie. Um, but the, the the one of some of the best trips I had were the trips that I took with my college best friends within China and uh, in, in in junior year. It was, it was after after I came back from uh, from uh, from Cambridge where I had like steak for dinner for a whole month and I swore off like, yeah, what? it was it was formally served dinner every day. So it's always some kind of, you know, main dish that's mostly just meat. <laughs> so I was like, they taste so good, but I don't want to touch meat. for <laughs> like enough. So mm. I, I went off red meat <laughs> for like a, a good two months until we went to uh, this little city that's in Shanxi province called Pingyao. It's it's what we mm. call an a, a Gucheng, like an ancient town, because most of the architectures that mm. you see there were still the same. You know, when they first built, they kept they were able to keep the arc the little houses and little streets. Mm. And so it feels mm. very. It feels like you know you're wearing modern clothes and you're walking in an ancient street, uh, in an ancient town, and people are still kind of look 
looking like you know they're from older days and but of course all of the mm-hmm. infrastructures and then uh, you know the uh, any type of devices you would use there are all modern it's still we were there we were there just for two days and we don't we didn't even do anything specific you know we're just like walking and eating and and drinking and that and then we found a a barbecue like a chuar place this guy with mm, this really mm. you know high-tech little little carts that cooks the chuar and i think back mm. then that was 2000 and and 10 it was three girls so we spent i think 140 mm. kwai on just chuar in pingyao where things are really cheap and that was a lot of chuar and we were eating that we're, we're having that feast on uh during mid autumn festival and the yard that we're staying in, like we're able to look up to the sky and see the moon. And that was a very different, it was a very, you know, vivid memory for me. And hmm. it was one of the best trips I've ever taken. Yeah, that sounds very lovely. <laughs> what about you? Well, my wife and I love traveling. Uh, you know, we haven't done as much traveling in the last few years. This was going to be the time that we traveled all over China. Mm-hmm. And it was like the end of 2018 or so. And we we're like, oh, we're going to travel. And, you know, things changed. So the conditions of travel changed. So we were like, oh, okay, I guess we're just going to put that off. Mm. I think in the last couple of years, the only traveling we've done is to go to Wudong Mountain, which was really lovely. Ooh, did you practice yeah. the, the Kung Fu in Wudong Mountain? No, I'm not going to try any <laughs> Kung Fu. <laughs> I mean, when I get old, I'll do Tai Chi or whatever, <laughs> which I think Tai Chi comes from Wudong Mountain. I learned that while I was on Wudong mm-hmm. Mountain. They're like, oh yeah, this is the birthplace of Tai yeah. Chi. And I'm like, oh, cool. I actually went there to for the temples. I really love the architecture of the old Taoist temples. So the, the place is covered in Taoist temples and it was very lovely. This trip, what was really neat about the trip was actually the bus. And I know that sounds weird because we took the fast train to the city, but uh-huh. in order to get into the park, which is the mountain, it's controlled by one like agency or company or something. I'm not f- sure if it's an SOE or whatever, but mm. like we uh, got on to, we paid to get into the system uh-huh. for three days. And then when you get on these buses and they go up these roads that are like, bring you to the top of the mountain and the roads are so windy that they make snakes. They would embarrass snakes. <laughs> and like he's the dude goes so fast and he just like, we took this footage of him like just spinning his wheel. Because all he does is go a little bit and spin the wheel and you're like coming around these crazy turns yeah. and we're like, we're going to die, we're going to die, uh-huh. we're going to die. But it was so actually really cool and, and like now that I've lived through it <laughs> and it was just, it was amazing. It was really cool. I know it's it's those like places that are not huge tourist attractions and don't get a lot of attention. So people look at them, they're like, oh, well, it, I don't, I, what can you do in Wudang Shen? What can you do in Wudang Mountain? But um, when, you, when you actually go like when we went to uh this really small town in guanxi province last year called fangcheng gangbei which is the border of china and vietnam Mm. we had such a blast just walking around we were lucky enough to be received by someone who's sort of a local you know uh authority who knows the city who knows Mm. you know Mm. all the special species that live there and he was able to tell us they were like oh look at this this is the kind of animal that's like going going you know uh uh they're going extinct and they only would they have there are only three main kinds that live and that still live in this world and one of them is here and this is what they look like and you know it's it's like the small things and they he showed us a, a tiny garden he's like these are again species like you know uh, plants that are going extinct in the world and we're keeping them here mm. hoping to you know have a couple more so that if we need to breed them and you know grow more of them from to stop this 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 plant from going extinct this is where mm. it happens mm. i was like what that, that is, is so magical. very magical moving down the list which we will never finish writing no nah, no nah. yeah 
<laughs> I, I I will I will say writing is uh it's uh there's a national November National Novel Writing Month. I don't know if you heard of what? it. What? Yeah, so there's the thing. It, it's actually it's an American thing, uh, but some people are doing it here. And I do like the fact that if you are huh. yeah, if you are actually really passionate about writing, but it's not your full-time job and you want to commit yourself to doing something and then every year in November, you have a chance that people will put groups together and try to, you know, support each other through this journey. Mm, you just mm. write certain number of words every day. It's, it'll be an hour every day where you just force yourself to sit down and write, you know, and then we'll see at the end of November what you have. And some people come up with something, some people don't, but it's the journey that really counts because you're trying to build mm. a habit and you're really giving yourself the time and the space to do what you like outside of yeah, I guess work. a lot of people are self-publishing on digital media now like apple and stuff mm -hmm. like offer platforms for you to self-publish then you sell it for like i don't know a dollar or 40 cents or something and then and maybe yeah. maybe someone Im who important in the reading you know in the book community reads it and it's like oh wow okay let's give you a real book deal yeah so i think that's that's the dream yeah Number 20, volunteer work. I point this one out because I'm trying to encourage people to do so. I, I actually really like it. It makes you feel good about yourself. So I think, you know, in America, there are a lot of soup kitchens mm. and there's like uh, organizations like Food Not Bombs that feeds the homeless and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that can be very fulfilling to like go and help people that- Meals on wheels. Yeah, yeah. Help right? people who, yeah, exactly. Or yeah, going and bringing food to elderly people who can't really get out of the house much anymore anymore or teaching underprivileged children or you know all, there's so many different kinds of things you could do yeah i i volunteer work i guess people do more the different the major types of volunteer works that people do here include directing traffic i'm sure mm, i'm sure you've mm, seen mm. them yeah um a lot of people really uh, like you said, go into the community, help, uh, you know, the senior citizens who are left alone or, you know, uh, people with different kind of physical challenges who need help with their just daily life, you know, day in, day out. And mm -hmm. you go in and help them by recent two years, the volunteer work that was in biggest demand and that people really want to do was about, you know, pandemic control. And a lot of people mm -hmm. sign up mm -hmm. as community volunteers. And when, yeah, yeah, yeah. when we need them and they just jump on board and they start with, you know, helping maintaining the the lines and getting people to get their COVID tests and bringing, you know, living supplies to people who have to do home quarantine and, or health monitoring. Mm. So that's a, a lot of it. But when I was in, when I was in college, I, I, the only volunteer job I did was as a volunteer coordinator for TEDx Beijing. And that's where, that's where my entire career started. Wow. So. Well, you know, uh, our mutual friend, Nick, he once told me, I think about a year and a half ago that he did a stand up comedy routine, which was volunteer work because they took the money, the <laughs> proceeds from the show, him and like at least one other person. I'm not sure the, I, I didn't attend, yeah. but they, they gave that to an orphanage to buy like Christmas presents or something for them. Credits to Alex. Cause that's the orphanage that we, so for our comedy, little comedy group, every uh, year end, we try to do a comedy show that's, you know, we will either charge or we get people to donate money so that we could help some sort of organizations and uh, the traditions mm. kind of help this orphanage in uh, uh, in Shunyi and they mm. basically help kids that can't be uh, accepted by the system um, for one mm. thing or uh, for one reason or another it's hard for them to find you know like a government supported uh, orphanage or something mm. so mm -hmm. this orphanage takes them in and then you know 
takes care of them and see if they could be adopted. Um, mm. We used to work for, we used to, I used to teach free fitness classes with this little group called Fitness for Hope. And every Saturday morning, there are different kinds of fitness classes that fitness classes that we offer. And after the class, if you like it, you could donate however much money you want. And then every couple of weeks, we would go see these kids. And it's really, it's a very humbling experience when you go mm, mm. see these little children who have probably in their five years of life been through something that's unimaginable for mo for 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 most people and they still see you and they still smile they laugh they hug you they want to be you know hung up on you all day mm. and it's really it's a very different experience so i introduced that um orphanage to our comedy group and we started doing this comedy show i think this year will be the third year um we just did our second year uh year-end charity show with them so it's it's something that warms your heart, you know. You know, I used to donate my time in a an orphanage in South Korea. You'd be surprised that the uh, there are an unusually large amount of orphanages in South Korea. Um, yeah. A lot of young couples have children and then get divorced, and then both of neither parent wants that child, and they these children end up in orphanages. Oh man! And so they're orphanages for children whose parents are both alive and living in the same city, which is really really heartbreaking. And so a lot of the uh, yeah. the expats live in uh in south korea go and donate time to help teach these children sorry i just had a yeah yeah it just makes me go yeah why would you do yeah. that you know So the next one I think you're going to like a lot more, and that is dancing. <laughs> Number 21. What? Dancing. What, what? <laughs> because you. Raising, a, raising the roof. It's your, your hobby. You like to go salsa dancing. Understatement. Right? I love to go salsa dancing. <laughs> no, I, I do. I do have to say that dancing is something that I always love to do. And I was able to do that in the States and that kind of mm, mm. changed me. And when I came back, I brought that with me and I kind of went to the next level <laughs> with it. Like before, God, before uh, the pandemic, my I had no social life. My social life was just dancing. My uh, roommate at the time was like, sometimes I would get home late and he's like, oh, I was just going to ask you where you went. But I was like, you probably went salsa dancing. Why do I even bother? Like, if you're not home, I'm just going to assume you're somewhere salsa -ing. I'm like, yeah, that's true. You know, it's very popular in the States. There are all these clubs like in the Mission District in San Francisco where I, I was living that are like very specific. So there'll be like a salsa club and it's just for salsa and you have to dress up. And then there'll be like a swing club and it's just for swing and you have to wear like swing clothes. And like they'll have like a whole band with like, you know, the old bass where it's like part of a bucket, you know, but it's the, a professional bass player who probably owns a much nicer bass, but they're trying to make it very authentic. And so like everywhere, all over the city, in addition to like the clubs, which I don't know if you qualify yeah. as dancing or not, but well, like, man. no, <laughs> you have like very specialty kind of dancing all over the city. I'm sure that the experience, my experience in San Francisco is echoed in like places like Seattle, New York and Los Angeles, where like people are also into this. But, you know, what I notice in, in, in Beijing is not a lot of like clubs devoted to very specific kinds of dance. But again, going back around yeah. to 
damas where like, you know, it's not just old ladies where they do the weird exercise dance where they're kind of doing a <laughs> half uh, kind of half Macarena looking thing. But actually, <laughs> there are some very serious damas who like exactly th- these groups of older ladies, usually sometimes gentlemen and ladies and, and sometimes younger people join them, too. And they actually do dress up and they do like very intense like mamba and like salsa and like they have uniforms jason they all have uniforms and you don't not all not all well a lot, a lot of them do and if you don't like if you don't qualify you don't even get to have the uniform you have to put in <laughs> work and time and there's a show there's a show clip from a you know this sort of reality show where these two younger kids modern dancers they went to see this group of damas who do kind of i don't know if you call that if you've seen that they call it sort of they do sort of a shuffling but i call it guibu but it's very it's very cool and i look at them like it's very intense cardio workout for me mm-hmm. i will mm-hmm. even be you know out of breath if i do that for 20 minutes and these people like these damas and 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 grandpas they do it for like an hour and then these two young kids come in and they're like oh do you think you can match your steps to this like modern hip-hop music whatever and they play this mm-hmm. modern mm-hmm. pop song and it matched perfectly and everybody just went crazy there and that's the thing i love about beijing and i'm not sure i think it's the same in wuhan most yeah, actually, I, I want to brag about Wuhan. There's a place in a, in <laughs> Hankou do. on the river. It's really cl- it's just north of uh, Jianghan Walking Street, which is probably the hippest place in the city. <laughs> but it's on the on the riverbank. And there's sometimes 2000 damas all dancing. And they're like it, sometimes in different cliques and stuff. So there's like two or three hundred over here and two or three hundred over here and like five hundred over here and like some smaller groups and stuff. And that the entire riverbank is just like popping at about eight o'clock or nine o'clock at night. That must that must be a very, very, you know, uh shocking. Not shocking, but it'll be very impressive to look at. Like, it was very cool, yeah. I mean well, I've been there twice. The first time I was just we accidentally ran into it. We're like, wow. <laughs> Anyways, moving forward, we're almost out of time and there's no way we're gonna make it through this list. I wanna jump down to bicycling. Mm. I know that's huge in the United States. It was huge for I grew up with a bicycle. I had a bicycle for since I was like four. And I, I didn't use training wheels. My dad just let go of me and I could do it. <laughs> like for, first try was like, okay, you can bicycle. Go, go for you, and I Jason. was like, don't let it go of me, dad. Don't let go of me. And then I realized he, he had back already and let he go. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like 10 feet behind me, like smiling. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm doing this. Anyways. Oh, you didn't feel betrayed. I, <laughs> I, <feel> like, <laughs> I felt tricked, but dad, like I also felt like me. good about the trick. Yeah, yeah. You lied to me. Why? You said you wouldn't let go. <laughs> But, you know, now I have a bicycle. I bought it at Decathlon in Beijing. Oh, I shipped it all the way out here to Wuhan. It got damaged in the shipping. And then we went back and fortunately it was under warranty. Most of it was like yeah. easy to repair. But like my, I got my wife one because she said, get me one of those like motor scooters. So I got her bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> But her bicycle is really nice. In San Francisco, it is such a mad hobby. It is so like hipster. And I just heard I just heard this. There's a micro trend. I know this sounds unusual, but mm-hmm. hipsterism has actually resurged. And it's now <laughs> retro as a micro trend to be hipster right now. So I don't know how long this is going to last, but apparently like things are just repeating faster and faster. You know? I know when I was in uh, when I was living in New York, that's definitely my daily reality where I look at people who dress like they're they're, you know, straight out of the 80s or 90s movies and they 
They dress like that. They use things that look, you know, retro, if you would. Mm. Um, in China, that hasn't been. People are trying to pick up the the fashion from the eighties because it's cool. I, I like it. I like the eighties and the nineties fashion. But like biking, if we're talking about that as a sports, it's different because bikes were used as for a certain mm, period mm, of time mm, as a main transportation means. Yeah. Everybody was biking to wherever they were going. But in Beijing, there are some people with some very expensive looking bicycles. They make mine look like junk and mine's not cheap. But I watched this video just yesterday, funny enough. And there was a video. This wasn't in China. This was in the States. And someone was driving a uh, Lamborghini behind this guy. You know, he looked like he was in his like early or mid 50s, but he was in full on bicycle, you know, cycling gear. Mm. And the bike looks nice, but it's a bike. And then the he was just kind of blocking the road and Lamborghini haunted him very unfriendly. Um, and he looked back and he said something he told him. He told a Lamborghini driver what the bike's brand was that he was riding. And the Lamborghini driver just shut shut down. And he was just like, all right, I'll just drive slowly behind you. <laughs> and apparently that bike was more expensive than the Lamborghini. And I was like, I don't understand. But that I don't like that, actually. It makes me upset. You know, like that the brand of bicycle determines who gets the right of way on the road doesn't seem like. I know. It should be like, OK, the law says you're, the bicycle can ride on the road. But then the bicyclist should also get over to the right to facilitate any kind of car whether it be like you know a pinto or a lamborghini to get around him out of courtesy yeah you know like i, I don't know it doesn't that doesn't seem that whole story kind of makes me feel uncomfortable <laughs> well you know what like i think a lot of people would be surprised that in beijing there are dedicated bike lanes almost everywhere any kind of road that's like more than like two lanes has definitely got like a bicycle lane on both sides that is so, was supposedly devoted but you get all of these like i don't well, rickshaws going backwards through them and like people walking their babies in them and stuff but there are dedicated <laughs> bike lanes yeah. that are supposed to be for bicycles and, and like out here and like you know people do bicycle but not as much beijing is like bicycle city you know there's bicycles everywhere yeah and uh people nowadays that you do see more people going to different the mountain area to just to just cycle um they would drive to that area with their bikes on their car and, and just cycle um but i can't i can't i can't it's another thing that i can't do jason i can't get on a road on a bicycle i, I start swirling and get really scared you know we're we there's we didn't even make it through halfway through the list but you know we have very little time left i wanted to ask you do you feel like there are hobbies in your experience that you see in china that you don't see in america mm. Good question. I can think of maybe calligraphy because there are very, very few people that like do cursive writing very seriously, you know? That's true. That's true. But calligraphy, I don't know how many people are still doing it now. When again, when I was a kid, I was put into calligraphy class and there were like 50 people in that class and there were a lot of people doing it. Now it feels like it's mostly older people who would uh who who take up calligraphy as something that they could just spend a lot of time on. Mm. And I don't even know if young kids still write with their pens nowadays, mm. which is kind of sad because it's very it's super, it's super impressive. So there's a I, again, I am a super heavy Douyin user mm. and I spent a lot mm. of time on Douyin. And there's this very popular uh host on Douyin and his name is called Paul. He's a Chinese guy. Mm. His name is English name is Paul. And he he's a he's a science major or, or math major whatever you know 
a kid and he went to school in the States. He went to Columbia and he's super well achieved and he has a good mm-hmm, job mm-hmm. in San Francisco now. And he got super popular on Douyin from cooking. He makes all kinds of weird stuff. He hand makes all of the stuff. Actually, most of the the activities that we talked about mm. <laughs> were covered <laughs> in his videos. And he, he'd do all of these activities and do them really well. And the other day, I think two days ago, he put out another video where he was writing like Chinese calligraphy for the for the banners for mm. the Chunlian mm. for Chinese New Year. And I was like, this dude, <laughs> what can you not do, well, man? Cultivated person. That is all the time we have. It's always a great pleasure speaking with you, Alex. And I hope that our friends learned more about one another's cultures. Yeah, and we could probably talk about the rest of the list in another episode if you would continue to come back and keep listening to us. Um, <laughs> all right. Bye, bye everybody. Bye.